She is a published author and spiritual mentor who just recently ended a three-year nomadic journey living solely based on her intuition. She teaches others how to embody their power and light and is passionate on showing people how to live an authentic, soul-aligned life. She also mentors new authors who are committed to speaking their truth while sharing their story with the world. Firecrackers, please welcome Anne. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Anne Livingstone is a nomad who is in a mission to awaken the collective consciousness. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> that is, I mean, I love it because I was looking, in, I was reading your website. I was reading on your website what you do, a little bit about your experience. I do want to hear everything from you. Yeah. Um, so let's start with your journey to where you are right now in terms of your career. Let's start with your career. Okay. So my background is actually in early childhood education. So I have my bachelor's in special ed, my master's in early childhood, and I was a primary teacher for seven years. Um, I taught in Florida, Texas, and then Chicago for a year. And back in 2013, when I was in my first year of teaching in Chicago, there were school closures and I ended up losing my, not just my job, but my career. Uh, when I tried to reapply for my position, what happened was I was, I was too, too expensive to hire back, you know? Um, and so at that point I was like, I don't really know what I do with a master's in early childhood besides teach. And so I became a nanny. And when I became a nanny, I knew that that was not my calling, even though I love children, but I knew that I was not meant to do that for the rest of my life. And so when I became a nanny, I really had this level of clarity where it was like, I no longer want someone to tell me whether or not I have a job and how much money I can make. And so I started my coaching business on the side. Um, and then I really evolved from health and wellness coaching to spiritual mindset coaching as I was embarking on my own spiritual journey. Um, I worked with a lot of clients on their own mindset, on patterns that were holding them back. And then at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, I was at the end of another relationship and it was a relationship that I deeply wanted. It was one that really, I awakened to my patterns. I awakened to my self-sabotage. And in February of 2017, after the relationship had fallen apart, I got the intuitive hit that was sell your shit and hit the road. And it made no sense whatsoever, not logical at all, but I decided to follow it. I wanted to see where it led. And so I left Chicago in July of 2017. And for three years, I lived full-time on the road with my two cats, um, completely living solely based off of my intuition. My intuition guided me to where to go, how long to be there, um, all of all things. And it has also informed the evolution of my business. It's informed everything. And so I really, this is part of my mission of awakening the collective is really helping people understand that we have all of the wisdom and guidance within ourselves that we need. Well, that is very, very <laughs> summarized, <laughs> but at the same time, it's very inspiring to hear that you actually just took that leap by listening to your own intuition, your own, like I would say spiritual guide. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I absolutely love it. 
But let's circle back a little bit. Yeah. Just to talk about um, your background, because I know that you you had four parents because your your parents split up and they remarried. Yep. Right. And both your mom and your stepdad were teachers as well. Yep. Is that why you got into teaching, that, the, that first impulse that you had? That's why I got into teaching, but it's not where I started. So I actually, when I was, I went to the University of Iowa my freshman year and I majored in economics and it, I only majored in economics because I loved it in high school. I had a great econ teacher and I was like, this is what I want to do, you know? And, um, and I flunked out my first year of college, I flunked out and turns out I, economics is not my passion, <laughs> not my calling. And so when I flunked out of the University of Iowa, I then kind of started to get the intuitive hit, which I had no clue it was intuition at the time. It was just, I felt called to do these things and I followed my gut, you know? Um, but it was, I wanted to move to Florida and, um, again, like didn't make any sense. My family was like, that's crazy. How do you think you're going to flunk out of the university of Iowa and then end up going to the university of Florida. And I was like, I don't know. It was just kind of what I'm being called to do. And so I ended up majoring in education when I got to Florida and I started at a community college and then eventually got into us, but I followed the path of education because of that, right? Because I grew up in a household of teachers. Um, I was the child that I went to my mom's uh, kindergarten classroom and I wanted to help out. Like I was, I really did love teaching. And now that I'm no longer a classroom teacher, I use teaching so much in how I serve clients, how I teach publicly. You know, it's a, my primary background has really become of service in trying to make the, the spiritual world tangible for other people. That's really important. I mean, that's a really great tool to have. Yeah. To be honest, because there's a lot of people who have all this information inside of them, like all this knowledge, all this wisdom, and they want to like convey it in a way, they want to communicate it, but it's hard. And having the tools of, you know, and the experience, of course, of being a teacher, has it helped you to actually expand on that, on, on your message, uh, the clarity of your message? Absolutely, because I'm, I'm able to make, the, like, so I see things in stages. I see how things build upon one another. I mean, when I was a teacher, there were state standards, there were national standards. I had to write lesson plans. I had to, there was an entire, you know, how do I get my students from point A to point B? There's a lot of that mapping out and there's a lot of strategy, right? And so I kind of see things in the same way, but it started with when I was living my own journey, when I was going through my own personal evolution, when I was like, okay, how do I want to serve clients? How do I help someone else experience what I have experienced? I asked myself the question, how did I get from point A to point B? What were the steps? What was the path? What, was, what were the phases that I went through? And I once had a, a woman ask me years ago, um, she was like, you know, why did you decide to be a coach? And I said, because I was making transformation. I was transforming in my own life. And I knew that if I could do it in my own life, I could teach someone else how to do it because of the background I have in education. I completely agree with you on your remark regarding coaching. I'm also a coach. Uh -huh. And I think that if you as a coach, any type of coach, if you haven't gone through the experience yourself, it's, it's just not going to have the same impact on other people. I think it's, and I don't think that this is everyone's intention, but I do think that if you haven't gone through it in some capacity, it's out of integrity. And it's not necessarily, because I had a coach, a spiritual coach work with me on this. 
when I was teaching about money and I was like, I understand money really well from an energetic perspective, but I'm not like rolling in the dough. So does that mean I'm out of integrity? And she said, no, being in integrity is ultimately walking your talk. As long as you are always walking your talk, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, the, the final experience in order to know that it's true or to know that it's possible. And so that was really helpful for me because I think a lot of people hold themselves back because they're like, well, I, it, it comes down to this self-worth issue, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not quali yeah. qualified enough. This imposter syndrome. And although I think it is important to experience certain things and once you experience certain things and you know how you got there, then it, it unlocks this level of clarity that maybe you didn't have or this level of embodiment that you haven't experienced before. But it really boils down to, are you actually practicing what you are telling other people? That is what matters to me anyway, above anything else. Yeah. You have to walk the talk. As you said, absolutely true. And I think, yep. I mean, being a coach is, in my experience, it has been very fulfilling in many, many ways. It's just watching people or, or like reading people or listening to people say, you know what, this actually helped me a lot. Thank you very much. It's such mm -hmm. a rewarding experience. Um, I wanted to ask you personally, what is the one thing from your coaching experience that you value the most at this time? Can you expand on that? Like my mind is going in like a million different directions. <laughs> uh, I mean, is there one thing about coaching that you say, this is the one thing that makes that I wake up for every day and that I do my job for? Like something specific about what you've achieved with your clients. I mean, honestly, it's very similar to how it was in my teaching career where it's like when that, that light bulb moment, when, when someone, when something finally clicks for a client and you know that they're never going back to their old way of being. Um, one thing that brings me a lot of joy is when clients finally have clarity around their own purpose, why they're here, why why things that have been so difficult in their life finally make sense to them, you know, where they're like, Oh my God, I experienced all these things. Cause this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know <laughs> I've seen this for a while for you, but you had to, you had to come to that own, you know, your own level of clarity around that. And then, and then kind of larger than that, I really, I really enjoy putting words to my experience of life in order to make connections with others to help give them words to their experience of life. I love making that sort of connection with people. It is. It is quite rewarding. Yeah. Um, and so you've been doing this for quite some time now. And at the same time, you've been like traveling around the country. So you, you live in the States, you're based there. Yep. You've been traveling around the country. So I think I read 32 Airbnbs in 20 different states. Is that correct? And now it's above 40. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Above 40 states. So you're, you're almost done with the 50 states. <laughs> you're almost there. Um, so tell me what has that experience, how has that experience been for you? Just, I, I would love to know what a nomadic lifestyle uh, looks like for you, Anne. So I'm actually, I'm officially rooted now. I'm officially rooted in Phoenix, although I still travel on a monthly basis. But for three years, ultimately what my system looked like was I first tapped into my body. Where am I, where am I feeling called to be? Am I feeling called to stay where I am or am I feeling the call to move? And if I was feeling the call to move, I would pay attention to where in the country is you know, it, it feels very similar to when you feel attraction to someone. There's that magnetic pull. And so I started to, that's kind of what I was cultivating with, with you know, the United States, you know, just like, where, where am I feeling pulled? <laughs> and then when I would experience that pull of like, oh, okay, I think I'm being called to this state or this general area. 
I would pull out my atlas. I have an atlas and a pendulum and I would pull out my atlas and I would just basically double check. It's how I really learned to trust my intuition. And now I don't need to use those tools. I just trust, I just trust my feeling, but that was part of kind of confirming what I was feeling internally. And then from there, I would go to the Airbnb website and I would look at that, you know, the general area that I was feeling called to, and I would kind of read the energy and the pictures and look at the price point and all of that. So I had all these filters that I used and there was always the perfect place that popped up, you know? And, and so that's, that's how I lived for three years full time was staying in a bunch of different Airbnbs um, you know, sometimes I had friends who would offer to have me stay with them or family members, but for the most part, it was Airbnbs. And sometimes it was for a couple days. Sometimes it was for a week. Sometimes it was for a couple months, but that was always based off of typically the money that I had in my bank account and, um, and my intuition, whether or not I was being energetically pulled to stay put or to move forward. I guess the question that the first question that popped to mind while I was listening to you tell me about how this experience was for you is that, I mean, I, I feel that it can be a little bit lonely. Was it lonely? Did you make friends easily during your travels? How was it? It, it, it was both. So um, when I first left Chicago, I felt like the world was too noisy. I felt like for, at that point I was 35. So I was like for 35 years, I have been told by friends, family members, society, who I, who I am, the life I'm supposed to live. And I was like, I don't, even, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I don't, I don't know. So let me go out on this, you know, forever road trip and see, let me just get in my car and which I didn't have at the time, but let me get in a car <laughs> and drive and be on the open road and go to these different places. And I ended up first in a lot of small towns. I spent a lot of time in a lot of small towns with no one else around. And I learned how to enjoy solitude because, you know, my, my story is that I was severely codependent. I was, when the relationship ended before I got the intuitive hit to leave, I was severely codependent. All of my happiness was dependent on my partner. And when he left, when we, when the relationship ended, I was, I was a wreck. I was an absolute wreck, which is what awakened something within me. And so I learned how to be comfortable being on my own. I learned how to I learned how to be extremely independent. I learned how to figure things out. I learned how to be very resourceful. Um, I learned how to feel safe and secure within myself, not needing that from the external world. That was one of my biggest lessons was not feeling, you know, not needing a man to feel safe and secure, not needing a home to feel safe and secure, like my own home, not needing X number of dollars in my bank account to feel safe and secure. And it was a lesson that I learned over and over and over and over again. Um, and then in October of 2018, so just over a year after leaving, I, I ventured into the world of dating. I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to like dip my toe in and see. And I was like, this is terrifying. <laughs> and so, um, so I was kind of, you know, craving some companionship at that time, but and then I backed, you know, I backed out again. So it was kind of in and out. Um, I did meet some people like when I was in Nevada City, California, I met a great hairdresser and he and I are still friends. I've remained friends with some of my hosts who I've had in different Airbnbs. But Phoenix was the first place where I really started to cultivate community. And it's, it's kind of why I decided to root down here is just because for the first time in three years, I felt seen by the outside world. I allowed myself to really integrate into society again. And um, it, took, it took time for sure. But I also, like, I really love being on my own. I really love solitude. And I know that when I crave connection, now I have access to it. But it was, it was a little bit of both for sure. 
you know, I hear you, you know, talk about this experience and I think it's very, uh, I mean, it's evident that it actually, that journey that you had around the States was, a, I mean, it was of course about moving physically from town to town or state to state, but it was mostly about you actually also moving things inside of you. Yeah. Um, and like, and you said it, you know, I was like finding myself and I, I think that is just so powerful because most people don't even take the time to actually think about what it is that they really want to do with their lives. They kind of just like follow a bit of a script and we'll talk about mm -hmm. the script a little bit later in our interview. But I feel that it's just so hard to, for some people to actually take that step. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you, when you say it like that, which I totally agree with, it sounds cliche, right? It sounds so cliche to be yeah. like, I'm going to go find myself. Like, what does that actually mean to find yourself? And one of the most powerful experiences I had was learning how to heal my feminine and masculine energy. So learning, because the intuition is all feminine, it's all feeling. And for the majority of my life, I was taught to not feel my feelings. I mean, I was numbing through alcohol. I was numbing through food. I was numbing through relationships. I was numbing through TV, through social media. I, I wasn't comfortable sitting with my feelings. I was afraid they were going to literally kill me. And so the more that I sat with my feelings and listened to the stories that were coming up and learned that there was this little girl within me who felt silenced and needed to be heard and needed to be seen. Like there was such a huge piece of my journey. And then from there, so that was really like that, that deep feminine energy that I was learning how to heal and, and not shame. And then at the same time, I was learning how to be my own masculine. I was learning how to, how to be safe and secure in my in my body. I was learning how to hold space for myself. I was learning how to, you know, hold space for the emotions without making anything wrong. It just was. I learned how to, to truly love and accept myself unconditionally. And what that's done for me is that now that I know what what divine masculine, what healthy masculine feels like in myself, that's that firm, solid, stable foundation. Now, when I meet men, I know whether or not they have that because it's an, it's an energetic matching game. You know, do you energetically align with what I've already created myself or not? And, and that's been really helpful for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I, I can relate to that as well. I wanted to ask you, now that you mentioned your relationships, because I read on your website that you, you were divorced and then you had this relationship that you referred to as, you know, that breakup right before you... Mm -hmm hit the road to be like yep. put it in a way. Yep. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about both of those relationships because it seems to me that they were like very significant in your life. Yeah. Um, so I just want you to just tell me whatever you want to share about them. Because now that yeah. you mentioned, you know, that finding um, a way to actually balance out your feminine and your masculine that actually has helped you now to see uh, relationships with a a, like a, a romantic partner in, in a different way, I'm interested to know uh, how what, what your experience was be before with these two relationships. Yeah. So I, so before, even before I got married, my relationship that I had before I got married was a, a man who I you know loved and adored, but he left. Um, there was one time he went out with a friend and he didn't come back for a week. I didn't hear from him. It was, it was traumatizing. Wow. Um, and then when we got back together, we never officially broke up, but you know, when someone pieces out for a week, you kind of assume that maybe, maybe the relationship is mm -hmm. still intact. 
Um, and so we dated again for, you know, another, another couple months. And then I came home from work one day and all his stuff was gone. You know, we weren't living together, but we were staying with each other a lot. So all of his stuff was gone and I had a box full of my stuff from his place. And again, it was traumatizing. It was, it created this belief. And I had this belief that it hadn't pinpointed at, pinpointed at the time was that I was difficult to love and easy to leave. And so that situation affirmed that belief that I was difficult to love and easy to leave. Look how easy it was for this man to leave me. And so it triggered this deep, deep, deep abandonment wound. So when I met my now ex-husband, um, I, I didn't care basically what other qualities he had. I wanted someone who wasn't going to leave. And he was verbally and emotionally abusive, but he always came home. And so I saw red flags, but I ignored the red flags because I didn't believe that I was worthy of more. I didn't, because again, I had no level of self-awareness at the time that I didn't have any sense of self-love. And so um, once I started coaching, you know, it was after I had lost my teaching career, I stopped nannying. I really focused on my coaching. I was focusing on a lot of my personal development. And I started to kind of wake up to the fact that I can be happy. I do deserve happiness. It was just like the first little shift that I, that the life that I was experiencing at that time was not all there was to life. I kept going to sleep, asking myself the question, is this all there is? Is this the best it gets? And I kept coming up with the answer, no. And I kept having visions of a different relationship, one of love and safety and security and passion and laughter. And so I decided to leave my marriage. Um, for four and a half years into the relationship, two years married. And I moved out, you know, I moved into another place. And my intention at that point was to get to know myself. I was like, all right, I'm divorced. I'm going to figure out who I am and what I want. And then this other man came into my life. And um, it was really, it was out of the blue in the fact that I didn't really think that I was going to find someone that quickly, but it was not out of the blue in the fact that I was on dating sites. So it's not, you know, I mean, there was some intention there, but we both just felt like we had known each other before. It was that level of connection. And, um, and he really raised the bar for me. He was everything I journaled out. He was, you know, all the qualities, all the feelings. He was the man that I envisioned. Like I, I've said before that I manifested him in and I manifested him right out. Like I, I called him in through thoughts and feelings and vision and, and all of that, but I didn't believe I was worthy enough to have it. And so because I didn't believe I was worthy enough to have him, I sabotaged it. And I'm extremely grateful to him because he helped me see what's possible. He's, he helped me um, really see what I really truly am worthy of. He also is he, he is the person who really awakens my, um, my connection to God. And one of the last things he said to me before he left was, um, you know, if my entire purpose in your life was to find God, then I did my job, you know, then I'm happy. And I it was so angry because I was, I was angry with God that, um, that basically he was a lesson and such a painful lesson. And, um, and I'm, and I'm grateful, you know, I, I am grateful because I know that if that relationship had stayed intact, um, I never would have, I never would have left. I never would have sold my stuff and hit the road. Like I, I just, I became such a different person because of that, you know? Yeah, I, I understand. And I think that, you know, having that attitude towards anything that happens to us, just being grateful that it happened because if it hadn't happened the way it did, you wouldn't be where you are right now. 
Yeah. I think it's absolutely, I mean, it's very valuable. Yeah. You're listening to The Honest Upward, a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Another thing I read on your website is that your dad is a minister. Yep. So you grew up, I'm guessing, you're from the Midwest as well. You're from Iowa, yep. right? <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm going to guess. I'm going to take a wild guess here. You grew up in a very conservative community. I did not. I actually, um, I mean, I guess I don't really know. I grew up in a very liberal family, so I don't really, I didn't really pay attention to my community. You know, I just paid attention to my family, but I was, yeah, I grew up in the church. My dad's a retired minister, but um, yeah, no, very liberal, lots of social justice. (laughs) That's really interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I wasn't, I wasn't, I really wasn't expecting this. And I think that's really cool because (laughs) my follow-up question was going to be, you're child-free. Yep. Yep. So being child-free, and usually when I talk to women who are child-free and come from very traditional, very conservative communities or families, they've had a really rough time with coming to terms with that um, decision. So tell us a little bit how your experience was when, you know, from the moment you decided and why did you decide to embrace the child-free lifestyle? Yeah. So that was not, it wasn't intentional until later. So yes, I grew up in the church. I went to church. My dad was very open in the fact that he was like, you need to go to church. You need to be exposed to it, but what you do with it is up to you. And for years I was like, I'm not religious. I don't believe in God. I'm not spiritual. Cause my dad would always say, you may not be, you may not be religious, but you're spiritual. And I was like, no, I'm not. I am none of those things. And, um, when, when he told me to go through confirmation, it was, I had to go through confirmation class, but again, I got to decide whether or not I wanted to be confirmed. And I told him I did not want to be confirmed because I don't, I didn't believe in God. And it was, he would say like, you're just confused. And at, at that point I thought he was saying you're confused, AKA you're wrong. But it, I realized now I'm like, no, I really was confused because I didn't understand what that was. And so, um, I actually wanted kids for like my entire life. Part of it was the fact that I love children. Part of it is that I'm really good with children. My background is in early childhood education. Like everything was pointing in the direction of like, and we'll have children, <laughs> you know, it seemed very logical. Yeah. And then at the end of my last, at the end of my last relationship and even, well, okay. So in my marriage, um, he was emotionally and verbally abusive. He was also an alcoholic and I wanted kids, but I didn't want to bring children into that environment. And so I told him that I refused to have kids with him until he healed his shit, which he didn't. Therefore, we got divorced. And so I was really grateful that we didn't have children. And then in my next relationship, um, and actually he had a child from a, a previous relationship. And then my next partner, he had children from previous relationships. Um, and so children were kind of always, you know, circulating in my life, <laughs> but I didn't have any of my own. And then, so with, with that, that last relationship, it was like, we're headed down this path. We're going to get engaged. We're going to have children. We will at some point get married. That was the path that I was on. And then I started to notice he, he wanted to have this job where he would be traveling overseas and I was going to be home with the kids. And I had so much anger and I was like, why am I starting these hypothetical fights? Like we don't have children, but I'm fighting with him about this life that isn't currently happening yet. And I started to realize, oh, I want freedom. 
I want to be able to travel. I don't want to be stuck at home with children while he goes and lives his life. Like I want to live that life too. And so after the relationship ended, I had this moment where I was sitting on the couch and I was kind of looking around and I was like, how the hell did I get to where I am? Like how, how have all of my relationships fallen apart? I'm divorced. I have no kids. Like what is actually happening? And that's when I realized I don't want kids. I want, I want freedom and independence. And not to say that you can't have some sort of freedom and independence with children, but it's different. It's a very different lifestyle when you have children. And I just wasn't, I just didn't want to commit. And, And as I have evolved on my journey and I have seen the work that I really do in this world, because I do a lot with inner child work. I do a lot with helping people reparent themselves. I do a lot with helping understand, helping people understand their subconscious and how that plays out. I do a lot of connecting the individual journey, our journey and healing as a collective and how it all plays a part. And there's, there's a lot in there about children. And I realized, I was like, I don't think I'd be able to actually do the work that I have felt called to do if I had my own children. I think it would feel too, like too personal. You know what I mean? Like it would be too emotional to, to see what's going on and to have my own children. And so I'm able to give all of my love and passion and and resources to other people in in order to heal their inner child and to become better parents i just it's not it's not in the cards for me i don't think this lifetime and and i'm i'm okay with that like at this point it's a choice you know yeah it is a choice (laughs) yeah (laughs) the weird thing is that many people don't know it's a choice but okay let's not get um off topic (laughs) (laughs) i find it very um striking that as you mentioned you know you went to school for uh, education for children. You were a teacher for young kids. You were a nanny as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then after, I mean, because I can, I can feel that, yes, of course, if you're doing that out of vocation, that's what you want to do. So that's what you like to do, what it was at the time for you. Then yes, you, you need to have some sort of empathy with kids and also like them. So the fact that you decided not to have children um, just you know, caught my attention because of that specific detail about your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question is because I know people know you, so you people, I'm, I'm referring to your family members, your friends, your close friends, and they know your story and they know what you've done when you, have you ever communicated to them like directly that you're not having any children? Yeah. And I, I've gotten like, you're confused. Like you'll, you know, you'll change your mind. I think now people have kind of accepted that. But when I first said I didn't want children, I got a lot of pushback because I was holding on to this family cradle. It was in my closet. And I was of course trying to get rid of all my stuff, you know, and I was like, I don't want this cradle. I'm not traveling with a cradle. Are you kidding me? Like that seems like the most absurd thing ever. (laughs) We are cats, the cradle for the cats. <laughs> and so, and so I was just like, you know, if anyone wants this cradle, claim it now or forever hold your peace because this is going, you know. And so I did end up it's it's in storage, but um, but it was just like it was constantly this like, well, what if you want children down the road? And I was like, I mean, if I change my my mind down the road, then whatever, I will cross that bridge when I get there. But like at this moment in time, I do not want children. I am gonna go live on the road. I'm gonna go figure out who I am and what I want and. You know, and it, and it has been a challenge. And I think that sometimes women struggle because we can really deeply love children and still not want our own, you know? Um, and I think that that's, and that's such a hard thing. And um, I, for me, like I had to really look at 
the question of why do I want children at the point that I wanted children? Why do I want children? And is that a valid enough reason to actually bring a child into this world? And for me, it was not, it, it felt like something like it was putting too much pressure on, on the child, you know, it was like the child is providing this need for me and that's not healthy. So therefore I'm not going to bring a child in. I'm curious to know what were the reasons that you came up with? Um, one of my reasons was I wanted to heal my relationship with my mom. And I really hoped that, um, that by me having a child or children, that that, would, that that would help. And then I started to go down the path of, but what if it doesn't? You know, because that's a lot of pressure, first of all, on the child. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. like, and, also, and also, what if it doesn't work? You know, so it's like, how can I heal my relationship with my mom without having children? And we've been doing that, you know? And so... Again, I just think that there's a lot of a lot of people put, and this isn't this isn't judgment. It's just what I've seen. Um, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on on a child to, you know, create some sort of life or to create some level of happiness or completion or you know, I just want to love this thing. And it's like you guys, you have to really focus on what you're doing for yourself first, because otherwise, it creates really unhealthy habits and attachments with the child. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I completely agree with you. And I had a conversation with somebody a few days ago and I told them, I can't, I can think, I can think of many reasons not to have them, but I really cannot think of one single reason to have them that I would say, oh yes, this makes sense. Right. Because usually the reasons that I've gotten from parents, poems, you know, I've, I've spoken to parents, friends usually, um, just very openly and candidly about this subject. And most of the reasons I get, I mean, all the reasons I get are usually about the parents, right? It's about, I wanted to have somebody to carry on my family name. I wanted to have somebody, you know, to love more than I love my cat or my dog or whatever. And, <laughs> no, you know, it's funny, but I'm totally serious. I know. And some people are like, I wanted to have a kid because I, I don't want to be lonely. I want somebody to yep. take care of me when I grow up, when I'm old or whatever, or even I know several couples, well, not several, but a few couples who have had the child because they thought that was actually going to help them repair their relationship as well. Oh, uh, that's like one of the most dangerous ones. <laughs> and common ones too. I know. I yeah, mean, for yeah. me, it's just mind blowing, honestly. And, and then, then I, I read this article and I don't remember the name of the person who wrote about this. I think it was some sort of sociologist. Um, but there is the one, so some parents would say, oh, but you know, the child, bringing the child into this world and, and giving that child all the happiness and the end to experience the world and to know what ice cream tastes like and to, I don't know, whatever, watch cartoons on a Sunday morning. They're not really doing it for the child because this child doesn't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. If that's the reason why you, bring, you want to bring somebody in this world, it's uh, what I was reading and it was very interesting there isn't like morally you're doing it for if you're doing it for somebody that doesn't exist and then, then whatever you're expecting to give them that is positive doesn't really have any value or foundation you know it's a very philosophical question but it is i guess what i'm trying to say is it's hard to find it's ha it has been very hard to find a good reason to bring a child into this world right I think I hear what you're saying and I agree with a lot, like the majority of what you're saying. And I, and I, and I think that 
because I've had the same thing, right? I'm like, okay, what are, what would be the reasons to have a child? Okay, are those actually healthy reasons? And I also had the same one where it was like, I want someone to take care of me. I'm like, well, that seems like a shitty reason. So, so you know, I'm not going to do that. But but then I started to think about like as I've awakened more and more, and as I have seen parents with their children, I have had moments where I've thought to myself, you know, I would I would like to have the opportunity to put into practice what I know to be true and what I've learned over the years, you know, just to kind of see like, what would it be like to actually be a conscious parent? What would it be like to actually um, bring, bring a, a soul into this world who can help, help with the, the awakening of the planet, you know, um, and to, but, but at the same time, I believe my, one of my deep spiritual beliefs is that children choose us, that they choose to be in this world, their soul chooses. And so I have come to the point where I am, I don't want children. That's not a desire of mine. Um, I will not actively try to have children. However, sometimes shit happens, you know, and if a child chooses me, then I will raise it as if I have chosen it, you know, um, because I, because that is a belief that I hold, but, um, I, I don't like when I really tap into, you know, my vision and, and my purpose and all that, I don't feel like I'm actually meant to have children in this, in this lifetime, you know? And so, um, I would be shocked, you know, I'd be shocked if it, if it somehow happened down the road, but, um, cause I just don't feel it, you know? Yeah. No, I, I understand. And I think that's a, a very interesting point. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. The one thing that I have learned uh, through all the almost 70 women that I've interviewed in my podcast is that child-free women are all different in mm-hmm. that being child-free, you know? And, and I feel that all our views are, you know, respected and valid. So yeah, I understand. I understand totally what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anne, we're nearing the end of our interview. Um, I wanted to ask you before I start wrapping up, I would, I did want to ask you about the book. Is this a new book? Like, tell us a little bit about Radical Rebirth. Yeah. So I wrote Radical Rebirth. It was actually officially done in August of 2019. And then I I self-published in March of 2020. It's the first book of a three-book series. So basically, Radical Rebirth is the beginning of my journey. I take the reader through the very basics of me being in my abusive marriage. When I decided to leave that, you see a lot of my relationship with the second man and how my ego played a part, how my patterns came up, where I really struggled with self-sabotage, and then the, the ending of the relationship how I healed that, um, or, you know, began the, it's not like I healed it that quickly, <laughs> how I, how I started, you know, the healing process. And then when I got the intuitive hit to, to sell everything and, and live on the road, and then it takes you through my very first spot, which was in small town, Mississippi. And, um, and that's, you know, that's ultimately where it ends is, is as I'm leaving Mississippi in, uh, 2018, in April of 2018. So, it really shows a lot of the awareness of ego or my inner child and how I started to cultivate a relationship and unpack and, um, and you know, all of that. I think that's awesome. And uh, congratulations on publishing that Thank book. Thank you. 
Thank um, you. I'm going to leave my firecrackers, the links to your website and to that book as well. If you want to check it out, I'm going to leave you a link where you can find it on Amazon. So I'll just leave the link to yep. Amazon. And so, Anne, before I let you go, is there anything else that you would like to add to this interview? Anything at all? I think just reminding you listeners that however you choose to live, live your life, regardless of what others think, regardless of how others model their life, if it feels right to you, if it feels authentic to you, then it's true for you. And it doesn't, it does not matter what other people try to tell you is true for them. Whatever's true for you is true for you. And to just keep following that feeling, keep following what you know to be true for yourself. Thank you for your words. And it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, Continue fueling your inner fire.